What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. This is the Bill Press Show. And the winner is Green Book. How about it? Exciting night at the Oscars last night. Almost as exciting as this Monday edition of the Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. Here we go on a Monday, 20, uh, February 25. Monday, February 25, that is. Good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C. with all the news of the day as it builds up. Uh, it was a busy week last week and a busy week this week as uh, Donald Trump heads off today on Air Force One to North Korea, to Vietnam, sorry, for the second summit with Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, who uh, took the train through China, all the way across China and down through Vietnam uh, to Hanoi to get there for the summit. Uh, and Donald Trump saying you can expect some big things, we're going to make a big deal, and still claiming that so much progress was made uh, in the nuclear weapons front at the first summit when, in fact, most people say nothing has changed at all. So we'll see what happens this week. Meanwhile, Michael Cullen uh, will be keeping the home fires burning by testifying for three days straight in front of Congress, uh, expected to... um, reveal all kinds of new stuff about the Trump family empire and some of their shady business dealings. we got so much to talk about today. It's good to have you with us. Look forward to hearing from you and your comments on all the news of the day. Wake up, America. Get on board. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, on Twitter, at BP Show. Lots to talk about, but first... This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, last night were the Oscars, Bill. How about it? Yeah, yes, yeah. indeed. Uh, so let's talk about some of the big winners. We'll start with Best Supporting Actor. Went to Mahershala Ali for Green Book. Best Supporting Actress, Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. 
Best Actor went to I Rob. I thought she was, uh, she's Beale Street, right? Yeah, I thought yeah, yeah. she was uh, the favorite, but anyhow. No, the, that was Best Actress. Got uh, it. Yeah, yeah. She, she was sort of the favorite for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Rami Malek won uh, for Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, uh, unbelievable best, performance. She was, in, yeah, incredible. Best Actress was Olivia Coleman for right. the Favorite, and Best Picture went to The Green Book. The Green Book. Here's, I loved The Green Book. Here's and the director, I, uh, Peter Farrelly, by the way, accepting the uh, award. The whole story is about love. It's about loving each other despite our differences and finding out the truth about who we are. We're the same people. I must say, I don't understand the... It, it got some criticism, particularly in the African-American community, that didn't think the message was strong enough. I thought it was a very strong message. Uh, I'm not saying they were wrong, but uh, I also think, in, in terms of the film itself, was masterfully done and a beautiful story. Yeah, and the acting was superb. Vigo and Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali. Yeah, yeah. Who, 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 who did win the award. I was shocked that Christian Bale didn't win for his portrayal of Dick Cheney. Uh, I, and I think I was, that was an absolute travesty. Yeah I, I, yeah, I think you and I agree. The movie had plenty of problems. I liked it a little bit more than you did, but it should not have been like Best Picture. But Christian Bale. I could see that he could have beat out um, Rami Malek. Rami Malek for yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, even though I, I thought Bohemian Rhapsody was really very, very strong. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's that. There you are. You're up to speed on the Oscars if you didn't see it. So, overall, what do you think? Without a host? I didn't watch any of it last okay. night. Full disclosure. I didn't well, watch came any off, of the Oscars. I just watched In and Out. Yeah. It, it, it moved along without a host, I think, you know. Whatever. The, the reviews I read this morning said it sort of proved that they don't really need a host. You know, they really kind of don't need a host. Yeah, so they started yeah. out apparently very strong with Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph, who sort of came out and, and yeah. kicked things off. They sort of did their version of a monologue, uh, and it seemed to work very well. So I, if you're in the you know uh, job market to be an Oscar host, you might not necessarily be looking for work <laughs> next year. They might just keep this format. Right. <laughs> And we'll talk more about that later in the program. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, Donald Trump is off to North Korea, and Michael Cullen is on Amtrak to Washington, D.C., and the two of them are going to share the spotlight this week. It is going to be the split screen between Hanoi and Capitol Hill. What fun. Hey, hello, everybody. Here we are on Monday, February 25, the Bill Press Show. That's me, and it's good to have you with us. You are very much part of the program as we come to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., our studio right here on Capitol Hill reaching you north, south, east, west, every every little village, town, uh, crossroads, and big city in America. We're there with you online, on the radio, and on television, uh, and so glad to have you with us. Got lots and lots to talk about, lots you will want to comment on. You know how you do so. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, just simply at BP Show. If you're watching, if you're joining us online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. If you're joining us on the radio statewide in Indiana Talks and out in Chicago on WCPT, we're Chicagoans getting ready for the great big mayor election, mayoral election tomorrow. 
with a whole big host of uh, candidates. Um, one that's been in studio with us, Lori Lightfoot, former head of the police commission there, and, uh, and another that was very much another, uh, I'm not, not slighting any of the other candidates, the two that I know about, uh, Lori Lightfoot, and then um, Bill Daly, a son of, yes, brother of, yes, and former cabinet member uh, under Bill Clinton, got to know him pretty well when he was here in Washington as a member of the president's cabinet. Uh, we'll talk more about that mayor's race in Chicago maybe tomorrow with our good friends from WCPT. And, of course, we're also joining you on television on Free Speech TV nationwide, coast-to-coast Free Speech TV. Lots and lots to talk about. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, we talked very briefly there at the top about the Oscars last night. Uh, Peter, again, the big categories, right? Best picture, uh, and by the way, it had some stiff competition. Uh, everybody thought that Roma might walk off with the best picture, which would have been a real upset for a an online movie to beat a movie that's shown in the big theater. So yeah. Netflix, that was ne- that's what that was Netflix campaign. It hasn't happened before. Has never happened before. Roma, I know, got best foreign foreign language film and best director and Alfonso best director Perone won for best right. director which yeah. is a big deal it, absolutely but still so it, it not won't. best picture not best picture yeah uh the green book um and the green book also uh, got uh the uh, the best supporting actor uh the, the first name i can ever pronounce mahershala ali mahershala, mahershala ali, ali. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. uh absolutely deserved it uh best actor did not go to, we thought might go to Vice, right? And um, I thought Christian Bale Christian was Bale. going to definitely get it. Every time I saw him in the audience, I thought you know, it's only a matter of time before he gets up here. But anyhow, went to Rami Malek uh, for Bohemian Rhapsody, his portrayal of Freddie Mercury, which was incredible, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, and then um, Best Actress, Regina King, right? Uh, she was no, supporting actress. Supporting actress. Uh, for If Beale Street Could Talk. Best Actress was Olivia Coleman for The Favorite. Yeah, which I loved. I know you didn't care for the favorite. It's really funny. No, I just, I, 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 it's a weird movie. It is a weird. It's movie. It's a very yeah. weird movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I loved it, and I thought she was dynamite. Maybe it's because movie. I saw it on television, right? Because we get the CDs from SAG because sure. we're all members of SAG. After a, sure, I didn't see it on the big screen. Maybe, which, m- maybe. But not. like, look, I, I get it. It's not for everybody. But you know, and uh, I don't know how long was the program. Do we know? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I bet they shortened it up with no host. <laughs> well, but they but they were also supposed to have short speeches, and that didn't quite work out. It never does. No, <laughs> it never does. <laughs> so I don't know how long the program was, but I thought they got along pretty well without a host. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know everybody was concerned about you know uh, a lot of times a host who kicks it off with a monologue usually usually will make some sort of political statement. Right. It's just inevitable, right? Right. But there were a couple of political statements uh, mm-hmm. there at the awards. Spike Lee, who didn't win for Best Director. No, but who did win for Best Screenplay. I guess, best Adapted be- Screenplay. Adapted yeah. Screenplay. By the way, and I was so happy to see I mean, he deserves an Oscar after all these years. Absolutely. And I loved he wore a purple tux. Absolutely. <laughs> and he had some custom-made Nike Jordans <laughs> just for the Academy <laughs> Awards. So instead of like the Jordan Jumpman logo, yeah, it had yeah. the, the Oscar statue. No, it was amazing. No, yeah. But he did get a little political in his speech when he accepted for best adapted screenplay. Make the moral choice between love versus hate. Let's do the right thing. 
You know I had to get that in there. You know who he was talking about. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Pretty clear. No, good for him. Yeah. No, I, I he looked cool, and he just jumped up on that stage. It was great. Yeah, yeah he's been waiting for that moment for <laughs> a very long time. And deserved it for a very long time. So uh, there you go. Good show, and now we'll uh, turn around and get back into this the next year's. Right? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like a presidential election. I thought there was a... Um, I thought that was a good choice of a, a, a good field of movies to choose from this time, and and actors and actresses. I, they, they, it was uh, not as lopsided as sometimes that it is, and there are a lot of a lot of good choices out there. The yeah. Academy Awards have done uh, an interesting and a thing. lot of diversity, which was yeah, yeah, absolutely, and they've done an interesting thing in, in the last probably decade or so. Where you know there used to be just sort of overwhelming favorites, right? And if a if a picture was on a roll, they would win best screenplay, best director, best actor, mm-hmm, best actress. Mm-hmm. Best, you know, they would win seven or eight awards. And now, yeah, and I don't know if this is by design or what. They really do get spread out, right? So like, if you're in a if you're one of the top, you know, five or six movies, you're going to get an Academy Award, right? Uh, yeah, one of one film maybe was I don't Bohemian think... Rhapsody got four. I think three or four was as much as anybody got last night. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's very rarely is it overwhelming like that anymore. Yeah, uh, it was interesting. I don't think Vice won anything, or maybe they won for oh they won for makeup. Yeah, they won for makeup. Was it makeup? Yeah, makeup. I know they won that one, uh, but the, none of the major things. You know, I mean, he was up for no. I think uh, makeup was um, Black Panther. No, no, no. They won. They, I'm, I'm they, certain. They, yeah, they, okay. they won for right. Black Panther won for best uh, soundtrack, and then they won for something else. But they didn't win best picture, which it was nominated for, which is a big deal. Yeah, there you go. I will see how big the audience was. Uh, probably not as big as it has been in the past, but uh, at any rate, uh, so much for the Oscars. Back on the greatest show on earth, that's right here in Washington, D.C., uh, at 1600 Hollywood Pencil- for ugly people. <laughs> 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah, this is going to be a uh, this is going to be a big week. First of all, it was rumored uh, last week, by the way, uh, Peter, thank you for uh, filling in here on Thursday and Friday. Uh, it takes a village, Bill. It takes, I know, it takes a village. Uh, but I'm sure you guys talked about the fact that uh, rumors were flying that Robert Mueller's report was going to come out this week. Of course, I took that with a grain of salt because there have been rumors for the last two years. And if you believe Rudy Giuliani, the Mueller report ended a year and a half ago at Thanksgiving. Uh, I just want to say, just for the record, when we talked about this on Friday, Ray and I both said this report that the Mueller report is coming. There was some that. Uh, somebody was reporting that the Mueller report could drop as early as Friday yeah, of last yeah, week. Yeah, right. And we both said, this is BS. This is yeah. absolutely not going to be true. Right. And we were correct. But it still looks like it may be winding down. It's certainly not going to be released this week because Donald Trump is out of the country. Uh, but at any rate, uh, there are reports that it is getting close. Um, by the way, it's not going to be finished. The work of the Mueller inv- uh, commission or investigations are going to be finished because Paul Manafort's still got to go to trial. They got to figure out what they're going to do with Rick Gates and with Roger Stone. So uh, even if Mueller issues a report, these trials are going to continue. It ain't over uh, for it's not going to be over for probably a couple of years to, on that front. Um, but the president was asked uh, by reporters on Friday. So what do you think about this Mueller thing? Do you think um, it's going to end? And what do you think about what the report is going to say? 
one of the greatest hoaxes ever perpetrated on this country. So I look forward to seeing the report. If it's an honest report, it will say that. If it's not an honest report, it won't. Yeah. If it's an honest report, it will say, I did nothing wrong at all, right? One of the greatest hoaxes. Right. I'm just surprised he didn't call it a witch hunt again, uh, which he probably did in one of his tweets. I kind of ignore his tweets anymore. Uh, but the big question is, if and when uh, Robert Mueller completes this report, will the Attorney General, William Barr, release it to the public? Uh, Adam Schiff, the new head of the uh, House Intelligence Committee, said, we'll get it one way or the other. We will obviously subpoena the report. Uh, we will bring Bob Mueller in to testify before Congress. We will take it to court if necessary. Uh, and in the end, I think the department understands they're going to have to make this public. Yes, you know, indeed. What a, so one way or the other, we're going to see, I, I'm convinced we're going to see yeah, that report. We're Between Jerry Nadler and Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi, that report's going to be public. And you know what? what I, I talked about this a little bit last week. What's so amazing is you remember the Star Report. It was the best seller in this country. It was yeah, obviously before right. the internet became what it is yeah. now. Yes, uh, they it was printed actually, it and put it on. It for, was, put it out for sale. It was, it was actually published. You could buy it at the yeah. at bookstores. Of course, yeah. it was so salacious, right? Yeah. It was sort of like Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, it sold. I mean, it was amazing. It set yeah. record for how many uh, copies right. it sold. You know, and this one will too, as well. Just for historic reasons, yeah, people absolutely. will buy it. Uh, and want to read it and, and find out, you know, what what Mueller discovered, particularly about the Russian interference in the 2016 election. But as I mentioned, this is a big week because uh, Donald Trump heading off to North Korea for the second big summit, uh, and Michael Cohen, meanwhile, heading to Washington D.C. Um, Donald Trump insisting that they're going to um, uh, they're going to have a uh, a big success uh, over there. He, he talked about this with the governors last night. By the way, so <laughs> the governors are in town for a three-day meeting of the National Governors Association. So all the all the newly elected governors, the holdover governors, um, newly elected like Jared Polis from Colorado, Gavin Newsom from California, uh, and others, uh, and they were invited to dinner and dancing at the White House last night. The governor's ball, they call it every year. Uh, and Donald Trump said how great it had been to just play around with them and hang out with them for the last three days. This has been a, a really a great couple of days. We've had a lot of fun together, and uh, it's been, you know, very special. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that was the first time he had seen them and the only time that they're on his schedule. So um, it was sort of like, I'm sure the governors were saying, what, did we miss something? You know, <laughs> he, had, he didn't attend any of their in their meetings, that was, that was it. So. Yeah, no, he he made zero appearances. I was actually down there this week, and I was doing doing some stuff there, and there was no Trump. Made no, there was no talk of Trump. There was no rumors that he might show up. Everything was closed door. He never never bothered to drop in at all. Yeah, but he did tell them that um, as far as North Korea goes, he thinks it's going to be good news, and uh, and he is in no hurry. Uh, to get a deal, uh, to do any, to get anything more substantive out of North Korea, as long as they're not testing. I'm not in a rush. I don't want to rush anybody. I just don't want testing. As long as there's no testing, we're happy. You know, notice how he has moved the goalpost here, right? Because the announced goal in Singapore 
and the announced results for the first summit were that they were going that the there was no longer a nuclear threat on the Korean Peninsula because North Korea had agreed to dismantle their nuclear weapons and their testing sites, uh, just just start knocking them down, bringing them down, destroying the weapons, closing the sites. They have done none of the above. It is true they haven't tested a weapon. Maybe, and we'll talk to Joe Sirensoni from the Plowshares Fund about this. Maybe because they don't need to test them because. Like, we haven't tested one in a long time either because we know they work. So, at any rate, he says he's in no rush. Uh, the Secretary of State, who will be accompanying the president to the summit, was asked uh, yesterday on Fox News Sunday, what can we expect out of the summit in Hanoi? I don't want to get into the details of what's being proposed, what the offers and counteroffers may be, um, but a real step, a demonstrable, verifiable step is something that I know President Trump is very focused on achieving. Um, what did he just say? Hello again? <laughs> the question is, what can we expect out of the summit? Pompeo, yeah, does Dribble. a good job. Good job of saying nothing. Not a thing, all. yeah. He's learned from Donald Trump. That'd be a good point. <laughs> right. Uh, but the one the very exciting news uh, that we did learn of the weekend is that um, uh, Donald Trump has come up with a great idea for uh, to celebrate uh, America. And it's this is very novel, uh, that he's decided that the one day we should have a big celebration uh, of this country and our history and our future is, let's see, uh, let's just pick a date out of random. What should it be? Um, how about maybe 4th of July? Oh, there's an original <laughs> idea. Uh, let's see, where should we hold this celebration? Um what do you think? Maybe uh, how about the Washington Mall? Oh, you mean the nation's capital? Yeah, the nation's capital. Oh, there's a great idea. Um, now, what could make it like really, really, really different and special that people <laughs> would remember? Um, <gasps> I got it. Fireworks. Oh, good idea. Oh yeah, yes. Donald Trump has actually announced that this is going to be a unique new celebration. We're actually going to celebrate. Have a big uh, celebration on the 4th of July with fireworks on the National Mall, and it's all about me. Donald Trump tweeting over the weekend, hold the date. Hold the date. In all capital letters. 4th of July. Hold the date. Whoa. We will be having one of the biggest gatherings in the history of Washington, D.C. on July 4th. It will be called A Salute to America (laughs) and will be held at the Lincoln Memorial. Major fireworks display, entertainment, and an address by your favorite president, me. (laughs) Yes, so Donald Trump is now uh, taking uh, ownership of the 4th of July. Well, so I have some questions about this. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, obviously this is... By the way, this is a MAGA rally. Yeah, This is all this is. So every year there is a a performance called the Capitol 4th. Happens on the steps of the Capitol. Yeah, I've been there several times. Yeah, and they always have a lot of entertainment, name entertainers that are there. They do the big fireworks. It's... It's a whole big thing. Yeah. So is this going to be a competing event that Donald Trump is putting No, on? I think they'll do that instead of... A Capital Fourth. Capital Fourth, right. Yeah. So it's, he's they'll just move turning it, They'll move it from a... one end of the mall to the other. Yeah. And then he'll go up on the steps where Martin Luther King gave the famous I Have a Dream speech and, and give a campaign speech. When you put it that way, got it. Seriously. It really sound grotesque, yeah. And yeah. give a campaign speech. Right. That's going to be it. Uh, disgusting, at any rate. What a novel uh, idea. Fireworks but, on the 4th yeah. of July. 
<laughs> you know, it, it would be funny if it weren't so sad. Um, I know. Yeah. Uh, one other little bit of news that Donald Trump got as he is um, preparing to leave for North Korea. Uh, uh, I'm sure you again talked about this on Friday. Uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi has introduced the resolution, resolution rather, which will be voted on this week uh, to oppose the emergency declaration to enabling Donald Trump to steal money from the Defense Department and use it to build his stupid wall. Um, Nancy Pelosi, she went down to the border to Laredo, Texas, and pointing out, number one, that this resolution uh, is just part of the fight they're going to fight on every front. We will fight his action in the Congress and in the courts and in the public. And she pointed out, pointed out that not even the Defense Department is for this because they don't, they've got other purposes for the money. They went to Congress. A lot of this money is to build schools on military bases. Um, that's what they want the money for. That's what they need the money for. They're not happy that Donald Trump is raiding um, the, the programs that they've already put in place. Those in the military don't want the money taken out of the defense budget for a purpose that is clearly not a defense purpose. And Donald Trump saying, well, even if this passes the House, which it will, and by the way, could also, could also pass the Senate. In fact, I would say if Mitch McConnell allows it to go up for a vote, which is a big if, it would pass the Senate. Donald Trump saying, if it comes down to my desk, veto, absolutely. Will I veto it? 100 percent. 100 percent. And I don't think it survives a veto. We have too many smart people that want border security, so I can't imagine it could survive a veto, but I will veto it, yes. Uh, and by the way, uh, also in that emergency declaration front, front uh, it's reported this morning, a little breaking news this morning, in a 13-page report, there are 58 former national security officials from uh, the Bush administration, Clinton administration, Obama administration, Republicans and Democrats who put out uh, national security experts uh, and former officials of the United States government who put out a 13-page report saying the emergency declaration is phony. There is no emergency. There is no justification for an emergency declaration totally contradicting uh, everything that Donald Trump claims is the case uh, at the border. Uh, that report by these 58 uh, national security experts will be um, very important in any lawsuits challenging that emergency declaration. We know the first one was filed by uh, 16 states led by the state of California. Uh, that declaration, that statement of theirs will be very, very important evidence, as will Donald Trump's statement when he announced the emergency declaration saying he didn't really need to do it, there really wasn't any emergency, he just wanted to get it done faster. Uh, interesting, so what kind of support does Donald Trump have around the country? Uh, I saw this, I thought this was fascinating. Uh, you gotta take a look, you gotta imagine now the, a map of the United States. So Gallup did a survey, state by state, as to Donald Trump's popularity. There are 17 states, believe it or not, where he is 50% plus in terms of favorability. So you mark them sort of like one color. 17 states. What are those states where Donald Trump is 50% or more 
pop popularity. I'm going to read you the list. I mean, you know, some of them, uh, you could probably pick these out. They're not that surprising. Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, Kansas, Oklahoma. No surprises there. huh? That's Trump country. Yeah, that's, that's total Trumper country. Uh, also, Missouri, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, West Virginia. Still not shocked by anything. South Carolina and Alaska. By the way, among those, the highest, where the state where Donald Trump is the most loved in the country, West Virginia. Wow. 62%. They still believe the coal stuff, huh? Yeah, 62%. Isn't that amazing? Yikes. There are also 17 states where Donald Trump is uh, between 40 and 49% favorable. Um, one of the surprises, Oregon, that surprises me a lot. Whoa, really? But, yeah. But they those states are Oregon, Nevada, Arizona, Nebraska, Iowa, Texas, Louisiana, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Delaware. Oh, my Bill. home state of Delaware. You I know. get up I'm, there and I'm, talk I'm, to some I'm, people. Virginia. Wow. 40 to 49. So wow. below 50, but. Yeah. But 40. Uh, Virginia, be. North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. And then home country, below 40%, 16 states. Washington, California. Again, I don't know what happened to Oregon there, but I don't think that's a high 40. But It couldn't be, no. yeah. Uh, below 40. Washington, California, Hawaii, Colorado, New Mexico, Minnesota, Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. That uh, Northeast, man. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, The lowest state. So West Virginia is the highest, 62%. The lowest. Where Donald Trump is the least popular of any state in the union. I'll give you uh, a hint. Well, first of all, the second lowest is... Vermont. Oh, that yeah. 28%. Wow. Okay. The lowest state in the entire country of Donald Trump, the least popu- popular. I'm going to guess California. Nope. It's not California. Oh, you already mentioned California. Yeah, of course. No, no, but it's on that list. I didn't say what their oh, number oh, was. Oh, okay. All right, right. all right, all right. Definitely so California's list. wrong. But Vermont would have probably been my second guess, so what is it? California is a good. You're getting warm when you get to California. All right. Keep going, baby. All right. Hawaii. Oh, Hawaii. Twenty six percent. Hawaii. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Amazing. I can see yeah. that. So you, if you look at the map and you can just see the colorations, right? About yeah. How, yeah. But that. Yeah. So it's that upper plains, right? That's really Trump country, and uh, and the East Coast and the West Coast. And then the South is mixed up. But you know, I mean, if I'm looking the, for some good news in that, there, there is there is some some uh, there are some mixed numbers, I should say. Uh, the a lot of the ones are sort of in the forty to forty nine percent, and that's not yeah. great. It's higher than it should be, but it's less than half. Right. So right. I'll, I'll take that. So actually, so then if you want, you could if you want to put the best positive spin on it. Yeah. You could say there are thirty three states 
where Donald Trump is less than 50%. I like that. I like that number. <laughs> Let's go with that number. <laughs> right. Hey, we got a great lineup of guests on with all this news on the foreign policy front. So excited to welcome our good friend Joe Cirincioni from the Plowshares Fund back here uh, to kick us off. And then a good friend Eugene Scott from the Washington Post will be here as a friend of Bill the entire hour. Uh, we'll be joined by Will Summer from the Daily Beast as well. All coming up next on the Bill Press Show. Quick break. We'll be right back with Joe Sirinciano. This is the Bill Press Show. How about it? On Monday, February 25. Hello, friends. Great to see you. Thank you so much for being part of the program. As we come to you live, as always, from Washington, D.C., in our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you by the American Federation of Teachers, the teachers. Boy, they're showing their political power stronger than ever before in state after state after state under the leadership of President Randy Weingarten. We salute them and thank them uh, for, in addition to all the other great things they're doing, uh, their support of the uh, Bill Press Show. Check out their website at AFT.org. Join me in welcoming our good friend, regular guest, Joe Sirincioni. Head of the Plowshares Fund. Hello, Joe. Good morning, Bill. Great to be here. Yeah, up late last night watching the Oscars. Got to watch them. Yeah, great show. Right. We, I want to hear more about that, but first we've got some comments from our uh, last half hour here. We do indeed. Yes. In fact, let's start. Let's start with some uh, Oscar comments. My man Romaine in Chicago, who's listening, uh, he just wanted to clarify for uh, uh, the Black Panther. uh, It won Best Costume Design and Production Design. That was it, Costume Design. Yeah, Yeah. Costume Design. It it was Vice uh, that won for makeup. Yeah, right. I think that was I'm just confused about the the costume because those two guys came out. You didn't see any of the show. I saw the picture of them. Outrageous costumes, which are really, really. Yeah. Yeah, really funny. Okay, so uh, on to some of the news of the day, uh, some comments. Uh, Jerry says that McConnell has no choice. Once it passes the House, the Senate is going to have to vote on it, and Republicans are going to have to go on record when we're talking about the uh, government shot, or not the government shot, the national emergency that Donald Trump has declared that the House is fighting back against. Uh, you just went through a bunch of different numbers of those the states, states yeah. of where Trump is still popular and who still likes him. Right. KG says, Bill, I would like to know the average IQs of all of these states. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. Uh, That's not nice. I'm sorry. When you're talking about Mississippi, um, you know, it's. Yeah. Yeah, it's not fair, right? And or you asked, Alabama. and and about the Oscars, you asked uh, how late it went because I didn't. Oh, say, how I long didn't it watch was? It. Yeah, Phil says I learned the best picture winner on Twitter, and it was well after eleven p.m. So even without a host, the show still ran. Long. Joe, only three minutes long. It was a little over, and nobody complained. Oh wow! Okay. Except your friend on Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you have any comments on any topic at any time, of course, you can find us. Uh, at BP Show on Twitter at BP Show. Joe, I know you're you're a big movie guy. Do you, I am. Do you watch the thing? You watch the show, and I look forward to it every year. I'm yeah, kind of a yeah. nerd. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. And you've seen a lot of the movies. Are you happy with the choices? Have I you am. It turned out very well. I thought Vice. I should. I thought Christian Bale should have won for Best Actor. Bohemian Rhapsody. That was a, a brilliant film. Loved it myself. But I thought anybody that puts in a performance like that should have won. I think Bradley Cooper uh, sh- should have won more. I think he should have. He had a real claim on director. I thought A Star Was Born was a brilliant film, uh, very well done, very well paced. And, of course, that song, the, I mean, song the highlight was, of the night was Bradley Cooper it really and was, Lady Gaga yeah. and the diamond she wore, 128 
carat diamond, largest diamond ever worn on the show. How did you know that? <laughs> I told you, I'm a geek. He has a passion for fashion, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know he only he always comes in in his suits, making us look bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Joe's wheelhouse. But we I'm never in my pajamas, it. having popcorn, watching t- Twitter when the Oscars come on. How'd you like Spike Lee's outfit? Fabulous, yeah, fabulous, and glad to see him finally win a, uh, an award. And Black yeah. Klansman was a brilliant, brilliant film. It uh, really uh, was another contender yeah. for best picture. That you know, uh, I don't know. Were you Green, surprised? Green Book was great, and, and it, to, it was important to. Have that film talk about Americans, America's history, where we have such a blind spot when it comes to our own history, particularly racial history. I, I was a, a little annoyed the Black Klansman didn't have a better showing. I'm yeah, glad they won Best yeah, Adapted Screenplay. I agree with you. It was a very, very. Good it was movie. such a good yeah. movie. Yeah. Such a good. Movie. It's such a movie uh, that's timeless and yet very much of this time. Yeah. You know. Uh, and having John Lewis um, introduce the Green Book. Yeah. Pretty powerful. Yes. Yeah. You're, you know, I, I think you said that without a host even, maybe it was better without a host, huh? I was. It just moved along much faster. And the diversity of the award winners, I mean, maybe it's because they, they Award winners they made an and effort. presenters. And, but, and, and presenters was terrific. And the yeah. movie that won one of the best documentaries was Period, End of Sentence. You know, this is a, a documentary about menstruation and about how mm. e- women yeah. are kept out of school because of their natural uh, female condition. And it was just remarkable that that film is now going to get a lot more attention because of the uh, the Academy's wisdom in choosing it. One of the mm-hmm. one of the lines of the night that I saw on, on Twitter last night was uh, after uh, the director won for I think it was best uh, short documentary or something like that for uh, uh, the period. Movie. Yes, right, best uh, short documentary. She, she she came out and said. A movie about menstruation just won an Academy Award. That's right. And, like, it was not lost on everybody in the room. Like, what a moment that was, you know? Yeah. It was great. No, so there were a lot of firsts last night. Yeah, time a lot of real. things to feel good and, good about at that show. After 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 several recent yes. Oscar performances, whereas the people have done nothing but dump on the Academy and dump yeah. on the Academy, right? Yeah. So, yeah, feel good about that. So uh, there's another big show this week, Joe, uh, <laughs> uh, and it's taking place in Hanoi. The president uh, leaves, um, I think he's going to have some meeting with the governors this morning at the White House, and then he and the first lady take off this yeah. afternoon. Um, we know that uh, uh, Kim Jong-un is already, if, if he's not already already in Hanoi, he's on the train yes, on his way there. Right. A two-day train ride yes. to get there, right? What can we expect out of the summit? Well, th- this is the great unknown. And and there's very, several ways to look at it. Um, you know, one is who knows what Trump is going to do. I mean, this is the biggest unknown. Will he follow the script that has been worked out for this, which could produce a significant success, or will he decide to his way through? Uh, will, will Kim Jong Un, you know, throw a spanner in the works and try to get him to agree to something bigger than what the the staff has been proposing so far? So w- every time you have Trump freewheeling, you know, out there with, with few restraints, it, it could screw up the whole thing. But I think there's a lot of arrows pointing in the right direction. There's a Toward big de- what? Towards a, an interim deal. So we are not going to get com- the complete denuclearization or the complete reconciliation that was promised at the Singapore summit just about six and a half months ago. You remember that vaguely worded statement? Yeah. It yeah. talked about two sides. One, the North Koreans committed to pursue denuclearization. The other is the United States 
committed to pursue normalization of relations. Neither one has advanced. We squandered the last six months. But what I think we, we can't, can probably get is an interim deal where both sides take significant steps. Most importantly, and you know, almost certainly, we're going to get a declaration of the end of the Korean War. Not a peace treaty, yeah. but a peace declaration of a war that ended 70 years ago before most Americans were, were born. And, and that will be a big deal in I was going to say, that's, that's a big deal. If we get, yeah. It, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. And what it shows, and North Korea wants this greatly because it shows, yes, the United States does want to change its relationship. And uh, President Trump wants it because he makes history. Mm-hmm. You know, he can say, yeah. I did this. I ended the war. And if he's, he still seems to be obsessed with winning the Nobel Peace Prize. So he's going to argue this is why he should win it. So so we, we, we get that. And it helps both sides. But what, what's the real prize here? The real prize is will North Korea take a significant step towards denuclearization? The betting is that they will uh, fulfill something they said they were willing to do, and they'll close down their plutonium production facilities at Yongbyon. This is a, a couple of reactors they have that produce plutonium, the stuff of bombs. Mm-hmm. They have a, 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 a uranium enrichment facility as well there. These are old facilities, so they're, they're declining in value. But still, this is where he makes his plutonium. You shut that down, it is a big deal. You are basically uh, ending his ability to make plutonium for bombs and lowering his ability to make uranium. That would be significant, especially if they detail how they're going to do it, verifiable, verifiably letting in inspectors and stuff. That that. That would be seen by most of us as a significant uh, rollback of their program. Do we know how many bombs they have? It's not exactly, but we can make some judgments on how many we, much material we think they've produced, and the betting is around 20 or 30, so enough material for 20 or 30. How right. many have actually been assembled? Unknown. How many have been destroyed? None. None. Right. None. So, so, so the argument that, he has, that Kim has done nothing towards denuclearization since the last summit is true. Mm-hmm. He hasn't he done anything. Right. But the one thing he hasn't done and is hasn't conducted any more tests. In fact, uh, last night at the governor's, the governor's ball at the White House, uh, Donald Trump spoke about North Korea, making the point, which he makes now on, whenever he can, right, um, that d- don't be too critical about the fact that we haven't, that not a lot's happened yet because we're in no hurry. Uh, here's Donald Trump. I'm not in a rush. I don't want to rush anybody. I just don't want testing. As long as there's no testing, we're happy. So this sort of changes the goalpost a little bit, doesn't Very it? Very much. Right? That yeah. now it's not, they don't have to get rid of any bombs. They don't have to close down any sites. They don't have right. to close their, their plutonium uh, machines or manu- whatever sites. Uh, all they have to do, as long as they don't test, I'm happy. Well, They that, haven't conducted any tests, Joe. Why that, not, do you think? Well, some people dismiss this by saying, well, they don't have to test anymore. I disagree with that. I, every nuclear power wants to test more. But we haven't they're, tested they're, lately, have we? Yeah, but we did 1,050 nuclear tests oh, over okay. decades. Oh, I see. You okay, know, right. So. They, they, I, think they, I think they stopped after eight. You know, So oh, they're, they're yeah. still dis- – then their last one was the hydrogen bomb. So they've conducted one test of a hydrogen bomb. Did it work? Yeah, it, it worked. So could they? Do they mm-hmm. know enough? Yeah. To put a warhead, yes, but you'd always like to do more. There's always more designs. There's always, you know, and if you tweak a design, you really want to have a live test. So it's a, it, it caps their ability. Um, 
and, and it is, it's a concession on their part not to test. It's a concession not to test missiles. I mean, we think they have an ICBM mm-hmm. that can reach mm-hmm. the United States, but they've only done two tests of it. That's really not enough to have high confidence. So, you, so the, the test, the president's right. The tests are good. Are they enough? No, they're not enough. We've had test moratoriums in the past. North Korea has, te- has had test moratoriums in the past. They can always restart if things fall apart. And Trump is wrong. We don't have a lot of time. You want to nail this down. You want to get the momentum that you've captured and, and move it forward. And one of the things I hope that they'll do is relax some of the sanctions on North Korea in exchange for them uh, closing down their young beyond, because that allows the North and the South to increase their cooperation. And that's the real way this is going to work if the North and the South continue their process of reconciliation. So that's where um, that that's where that's what North Korea wants is they want some relaxation yes. of the sta- and of that's the what sanctions. They're waiting for. Right. And they say, look, we're not going to take another step if you unless you do it. I believe this is right, and I think it's wrong in the United States to think that North Korea has to do everything before we do anything. They'd be an idiot. They'd be an idiot to do what Pompeo. And, and John Bolton want, which is complete denuclearization before we lift sanctions. They saw what happened in, in Libya. They saw what mm-hmm. happened in Iraq. You get rid of your weapons and America kills you. Right. So they want to do a step-by-step process. After wasting the time since the Singapore summit in these all-or-nothing demands, the U.S. has significantly changed its position, and this is a good thing. Now we're all talking about a step-by-step process. Donald Trump's comments are kind of lowering the bar t- too low. Yeah. But Steve Began, who's our chief ne- negotiator at this point, chief liaison at this point, has talked about the step-by-step process. There's a lot of signs that we're going to get something like this, an interim deal. Why isn't the president of South Korea part of these talks? Well, he's not part of these talks, but I say Moon Jae-in. Uh, is the the architect behind all of this. Remember, he's the one that broke the fire and fury fever. Mm -hmm. He's the one that convinced North Korea to come to the Olympics and then sat the North Korean uh, Korean leader in the same box as Vice President Pence, that Olympic truce. Right, yeah. And and he's helping to move everything together. And interestingly, while the U.S. And he met Kim Jong-un at the uh, demilitarized zone. Exactly, this breakthrough, and then Mm -hmm. he repeated it, and he's achieved a lot of progress. We are safer off now because of this process. Tensions are lower. Risk of war is low. Some, some demilitarization is actually taking place in the demilitarized zone. And, and a lot of uh, cooperation economically, culturally, politically, liaison offices have, between North and South have opened up. But they can't go much further unless the U.S. Relax, relaxes the sanctions. That's why North and South want to see some relaxation in exchange for disarmament steps. So when you add up the um, first summit uh, in Singapore yeah. uh, and this summit and the certainly the relaxation of tension on the North Korean, or I mean on the Korean Peninsula, um, does that justify a nuclear uh, Nobel Peace Prize? <laughs> no, it doesn't. But it doesn't justify the, the democratic opposition to this process either, which is the other angle that's going on here. In this town, I would say the press and the politics is dominated by criticism of Trump on this. And I, can, I understand that. I mean, I'm critical of Trump for 99 out of 100 things he does. So when he does something right, you have severe cognitive dissonance. How can I like this thing he's doing if I hate this man? Yeah. And, and so, but I think he's doing something right because he's— He's taking uh, a, a very unusual approach. He's, 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 he started at the top. This isn't the way this is supposed to work. 
You know, he gave Kim the meeting at the top. Inadvertently, or by some innate smarts, I don't want to call the man a genius, you know, he created the conditions that, that maybe can solve this problem. If the administration is competent enough to, to see it through, that's what's going to be tested at this summit. We've wasted the last six months. We've found our footing over the last four or five weeks. Wendy Sherman will tell you that is nowhere mm-hmm. near enough to produce a satisfactory summit agreement. But we might get, get, get close enough, and I hope the Democrats give them a chance instead of taking pot shots at them. And so I'm encouraged just yesterday a group of senators sent out a letter strongly worded, harsh on Trump, but supporting the diplomatic process, supporting our ally uh, in, in, in South Korea, and for the first time, being willing to accept interim steps should they materialize. It is sort of ironic that, um, like you, I oppose 99 out of 100, if not 99 yeah. and a half out of 100 <laughs> things that he does. Um, but it's ironic for Democrats to say, how can uh, you give Donald uh, Trump the, uh, the Nobel Peace Prize when nothing has happened yet, when in fact Barack Obama got the Nobel Peace Prize when he'd only been in office two months yeah, yeah. and had done nothing, right? had right. had a chance to do anything. Right. And, we should... and they, did, they gave that him on the promise that he would get things done, right? Yes. Not on the, pro- the results of his diplomatic efforts. Yeah. You know, I'm giving a talk at Georgetown Law School later this afternoon at 12 noon. Come by if you want. All right. And my talk is about the failure of U.S. policy. And a lot of it is about Trump, but it's also about Barack Obama. I mean, he failed. He wanted to do the right thing, unlike Trump, Mm -hmm. but he just couldn't get it done. And we have to understand why that happened, learn the lessons of that. So when we get another shot in 2021, we'll do it right. Uh, So... um we haven't exhausted North Korea, but okay, there's, yeah. some, there's some other hot spots Go. we need to talk about. So Syria. Uh, the president in December said we're going to bring all the troops out of Syria uh, and just walk away, um, which rattled uh, Defense Secretary James Mattis to the point where he said, I disagree with that so strongly I can no longer stay here. Um, now the president has backed off and uh, Two weeks ago, it was going. Oh, we're going to leave two hundred troops in there. I think Friday, he said we're going to. It's going to leave four hundred in there. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> Do we? And ISIS is almost the territorially, at any rate, the territory yeah. is almost uh, pushed out of any holding any territory They're at all. Down to a few square kilometers. I mean, yeah. it's really tiny. Right. And any day now, uh, we should see the end of that. Should we just pull all of our troops out and walk away? I can. That has been my position, and I do think we should get out. Uh, I think we should be ending these forever wars. I think we should get get out from Afghanistan, for example, as well from Somalia, from mm-hmm. Yemen. I think we should get out. And but there's, there is an argument for leaving a small contingent troops there to help and to be sort of uh, what the, what what they really want the troops for is a uh, a human barrier to the Turks. I mean, one of the big values of this is if you have U.S. soldiers between the Kurdish freedom fighters who mm-hmm. who did most of the fighting. Right. For oh, us, yeah. Right? ISIS, we would not have captured that territory without the Kurdish exactly. fighters. Yeah. Uh, you want them, their bodies between the Kurds and the Turks. You do that and, the, and you prevent the Turks from moving in and doing what they want to do, which is slaughter the Kurds. And so 
there's an argument for that. And if mm-hmm. that's their primary role and a little logistic tracking, helping the Kurds, I, I can see it. And if they're not engaged in combat operations, I'm okay with that. I think that's a fairly decent compromise. Now, that when you start to inch up from yeah. 200 to 400, you know, and that, that's the pressure that you're getting from the Pentagon because the Pentagon doesn't want to leave. They didn't want to pull those no, 2,000 right. or 5,000 or 6,000. We don't really know how many troops are there. They didn't want to pull them out at all. Um, so it, it's, it, it's, it's tricky. But, uh, you know, I feel good that we're heading in the right direction and we're doing something to protect the Kurds because I, I wouldn't want to see that slaughter. Right. And after 17 years, it's just, it just seems to me insane that we think we're going to accomplish anything in Afghanistan we have not been able to do in 17 years. Um, but that, then, too, you know, we're talking with the Taliban. The Taliban will not talk to the Afghan government, right? So, I mean, we make a deal with the Taliban and pull out. That just basically turns the country over to the Taliban, doesn't it? Almost most of the country will go over to the Taliban, certainly the, the countryside. And it looks like the government may be strong enough to hold many of the core cities. <clears throat> yeah. Y- yeah. Um, and this is a tragedy, and this is awful. But it's, but you know, you have to think, it's the folly of going in in the first place, of Absolutely. thinking that we could do what the Russians couldn't do, what the British Empire couldn't do. Every empire that's gone into Afghanistan has left an ignominy. Graveyard of and, empires, and right? Isn't that what they and, call it? Right. Yeah. And, it's, and it's never clean. It's never, it's, there's no victory parade out of Kabul. It's a defeat. Yeah. And we have to recognize that. Yeah. There's a country that has never had a central government. Yeah. Ever, yeah. ever. And the idea, when we went in thinking that we could get rid of the Taliban and establish this new government that everybody would love and everybody would follow. And, and and let me tell you something heretical. I mean, I think we should start looking at China, which is it shares this tiny little border with Afghanistan, uh, uh, as, as a possible stabilizing force. And you think, <laughs> well, my God, let China in? Well, you know, it is their neighborhood. This isn't what an empire likes to do. We want our empire to extend all right. the way up to the border of the other state. Yeah. But we can't do that. It's, it was an overreach. It's an imperial overreach. It's, it's time to rebalance our national security assets. Uh, okay. Is Donald Trump doing the right thing by attempting to oust uh, Maduro from Venezuela? Yes. He's, damn, this is two yeses in a row. Yes on Korea and, and yes on Venezuela. Yeah. He's doing the right thing for the wrong reason. So what he wants, I believe, is uh, a, re- a duplication of uh, Ronald Reagan's success in Grenada, a nice little war mm-hmm. where you can overthrow. Remember, Ronald yeah, Reagan right. invaded oh, yeah. Grenada to save yeah. the dental students, the medical students there, and, uh, and show, scored a big victory that he lived on for the rest of his presidency. I think they believe that they can show that their Trump policies of regime change forced regime change can work. And if it can work in Venezuela, it can work in Iran. That's the whole game here. Hmm. That's why they're doing this. That's why Bolton is so concentrated on it and Pompeo. However, it's a proxy for Iran. It, so, yes. Yeah. yeah it's it's you know, let's play this out. Let me show you how we do this. However, in Venezuela, it's right. He's doing the right thing. And the difference is with all the other adventures is he has the world opinion behind him. So this is the world consensus that this guy's got to go, as opposed to Iran, where we're isolated with, with Saudi Arabia and, and Israel on our side, but no one else. But, you know, I, I tend to agree with you, but at the same time, our history in Latin America 
right. is intervening, sometimes even sending the Marines in well. to deep, or, or sending the CIA in to overthrow people who may be not the best, most democratic leaders, but who have been elected in their country. By the way, with and, Elliot Abrams, who and, is back it, in the mix. Right. And Elliot Abrams and, back in the mix. And why do we have a right to tell the people of Venezuela right. who ought to be their president? So we're on this. Right. Exactly. So we're on the right side here. This guy should be president. Yes. But now we're talking about, you know, he's doing it for the for the wrong reasons and in the wrong way. So there, I don't. I think military options should be off the table. I'm completely with you. We should no longer be militarily intervening in the affairs of our Latin American neighbors. It's their country. It's their problem to solve. Can we uh, diplomatically isolate this man? Can we put economic sanctions? Yes. But a military intervention, I'd pull it off the table, including CIA ops. So if we just hold out for two years, think about this, right? There'll be a Democratic president in the White House and Joe Cirincione will be Secretary of State. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be writing op-ed columns. And about, then... Now, do this, this, and this. Yeah, and then get this whole mess straightened out. Hey, Joe, great to see you. <laughs> Thank Thanks you, for Plowshares.org, P-L-O-U-G-H, shares.org. This Eugene Scott joins us Bill next. Press show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And the winner is The Green Book. Yes, indeed. Well-deserved, great movie, and uh, overall a great night at the Oscars last night. Hello, everybody. Almost as, as exciting as uh, this Monday edition. Of the Bill Press Show, Monday, February 25. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you. Thank you for joining us here as we boom out to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Uh, all the governors are in town, the National Governors Association, their first meeting of 2019. A lot of newly elected Democratic governors uh, among the bunch, including Gavin Newsom, the new governor of California, Jared Polis, uh, the new governor of Colorado, both good friends. Uh, Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington, who shook things up yesterday uh, by saying that, um, you know, he's getting very close here to making an announcement about his plans for 2020, where he would be certainly the one candidate who is uh, in the lead on his efforts to combat climate change. Getting very, very exciting there on the 2020 front, as well as uh, here in Washington, D.C., while Donald Trump is uh, dominating the world stage in Hanoi with his second summit with Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, Michael Cohen, uh, the president's former personal attorney and fixer, a guy who arranged all the hush money payments for Donald Trump, is going to be here in town three days in a row testifying in front of the United States Congress. 
Ah, it's going to be a very exciting week, and we've got a very exciting show here, lots and lots to talk about. Eugene Scott's going to be joining us here very shortly as a friend of Bill for the entire hour. Eugene Scott from the Washington Post. Uh, and we look forward to hearing from you, your comments on the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. But first... This is the Full Court Press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Okay, it's a bad idea to steal a car. We can agree on that. Uh, right? I agree on that. Yes. It's a profoundly bad idea to steal a Tesla, which is what one man found out when he stole one in Riverside, California over the weekend. Because, as we know... Your battery runs down. Well, well the battery yes. runs down, but also... Every owner, when you get a Tesla, there is a tracking app. Oh, I'm sure. So yeah. you know yeah. exactly yeah. where your yeah. car is yeah. at any given time. Yeah. And this yeah. was a feature that was put into Tesla. So in case you park and you forget where you parked, you can find it. Or if your car is stolen, you can track it. Well, one thief in California found that out the hard way. In fact, he was apprehended because the battery died and because the police had the tracking app to the Tesla so they very easily caught the man. Uh, yeah, he, he, not a great idea. Not a great idea. In fact, I, the, I mean, I think overall, um, you know, thieves, they're not very smart. They're right? thieves for a reason. Yeah, right. They're thieves for a reason. Uh, over the weekend, Bill, there was a landmark Vatican meeting on uh, the sexual abuse among mm -hmm. the clergy. Uh, yeah. Pope Francis speaking out very, very clearly about that. This, of course, are his, these are his words. Through a translator. No abuse should ever be covered up, as was often the case in the past, and not taken seriously since the covering up of abuses favors the spread of evil and adds a further level of scandal. Uh, most people say it was a good and productive discussion. However, they offered no ideas on to actually how to address this. The follow-up to that statement would be yeah. that any priest who abuses anybody particularly underage people, will be immediately thrown out of the priesthood. And anybody who covers up that priest's activities will be immediately thrown out of the leadership. That never happened. That did not happen. That did not happen. And Very, as I said, no there, action. there no were action. some strong words. But no action. There was no action uh, made at the Vatican over the weekend. Now, there's still obviously time for them to talk <laughs> about this some more and talk about next steps. In fact, our buddy Jack Jenkins, religious reporter, was in uh, Vatican, the Vatican for this speech, so we look forward to talking to him when he gets back. When he gets back, we'll get some updates on that. Oh, yeah. No, that'd be great. That'd be great. Good. This is the Bill Press Show. Hello, hello, hello. Here we go on a Monday, February 25, the Bill Press Show, indeed. Beginning of what's going to be a very, very interesting week, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to see a split screen all week. Uh, on one side of the screen, it'll be Donald Trump hanging out with Kim Jong-un in Hanoi for the second summit, uh, trying to reach some agreement on relaxing the sanctions for North Korea in return for North Korea agreeing to uh, shut down their plutonium uh, production facility, uh, whether they get that, accomplish that or not. On the other side of the screen will be Michael Cohen testifying 
publicly in front of the House Intelligence Committee and uh, the Senate uh, Senate Committee as well. Um, and I think there's one other House Committee. At any rate, three days in a row, uh, Michael Cohen is going to be a busy man. He's no going to be what. a busy man. Uh, he was supposed to report to federal prison on March 6th. That's been delayed, I think, for uh, for for a, a couple of months or so. Uh, but the juxtaposition of Michael Cohen spilling the beans on the Trump family business here in Washington, D.C., and Donald Trump uh, uh, with the second summit with Kim Jong-un is going to be uh, make for um, a very interesting, entertaining week. And you know that while uh, he's going to focus on the summit in Hanoi, Donald Trump will not be able to resist tweeting about what's going on back here in Washington, D.C., uh, good to have you with us today, whether you're joining us online, on the radio, or on television. Of course, on television, it's Free Speech TV, the one progressive television channel in the entire country, part of the DirecTV network. Uh, good to see you there. Good to see you on WCPT out in Chicago, getting ready for the big mayoral election tomorrow in Chicago, uh, as to who's going to be the new mayor of Chicago after Rahm Emanuel. And great to see you on um Online as well on YouTube, youtube.com slash uh, The Bill Press Show. Eugene Scott joining us soon from uh, The Washington Post, reporter, political reporter for The Fix at The Washington Post. He'll be here for the rest of the hour as a friend of Bill. Uh, yes, indeed, um, there was some uh, activity on many fronts yesterday. Donald Trump uh, kind of talking it up before he left the White House uh, on Friday on on several fronts. Um, one on what happened down in North Carolina. We haven't talked about this yet today, but it is very interesting. Uh, the state elections board, as we talked last week, had two days of hearings, two in a row, as to what should happen in that North Carolina 9th Congressional District uh, between Dan McCready, the Democrat, and Mark Harris, the incumbent Republican, who ended up winning by 900, well, who ended up 900 points ahead in winning. the, in the yeah. count. Yes. <laughs> but evidence came out that the political consultant that he had hired um, had conducted some absolutely illegal election fraud activity going out, knocking on doors to people who had received absentee ballots, taking those ballots from them, Filling them out, in many cases, for the Republican candidate or signing them and taking them in and delivering them, all of which is illegal uh, and for well over a thousand people. So he could have, in fact, and looks like he did, deliver the election fraudulently for Mark Harris and the State Board of Elections ended up saying this election is invalid. We got to hold a new one. I was surprised they didn't say we have to have a new primary as well, um, but they're going to have a new general election. The question is uh, still undecided whether Mark Harris, the Republican, will run for re-election now. Uh, and he, uh, and what's also interesting, what I found fascinating about that is that Mark Harris's son appeared at this hearing and actually testified against his father and said he had warned his father that this guy he hired, whose name I forget, he's got a weird name, 
um, McCray, McCray Dallas. McCray, yeah, McCray Dallas. Dallas. That McCray Dallas, he warned him he was a bad guy, that he uh, was up to some very questionable tactics, and he should not. He had hired him in the primary. He should not hire him in the general, um, because what he's doing may not be legal. The father refu- the, ignored his son, said his son was headstrong, and he didn't always believe him. Uh, and in this case, and uh, he did not believe him, did not take any action. Um, and now he regrets the fact that he didn't listen to his son. Um, at any rate, what's interesting is that with all of this talk, remember Donald Trump talking about election fraud and voter fraud? Three million people voted illegally for Hillary Clinton. And with this Chris Kobach out in Kansas, you know, the secretary of state, Spreading all these rumors, are not rumors, are just that just making all these allegations and about all this massive voter fraud on the part of Democrats in the last election. And coming up, they had the big commission, committee commission. They held hearings. They got found zero, zero evidence of any election fraud or voter fraud uh, on the part of Democrats or anybody else. And then when the when the first real test we've seen of any election fraud in the country pops up in North Carolina, in North Carolina's nine, it has been total radio silence on the part of the Republican Party and Donald Trump. I haven't talked about it, haven't condemned it, haven't done anything. Friday, this last Friday, finally, finally, Donald Trump I have to point out, gonna, was we, forced to say something. I, I, we're going to play this clip in a second. Yeah. So, they tr- the, there were a couple of reporters that were saying, "Will you comment on this?" And he goes, "Yeah, I, I don't really have anything to say." Yeah, really have- yeah. And he just sort of hemmed and hawed and didn't really right. say anything at all about it. Yeah. Until and finally, finally, he just uh, he feel, he's compelled to say something. Listen carefully. I condemn any voter fraud of any kind, whether it's Democrat or Republican. Yeah, there's no Democratic voter fraud in North Carolina. No, this was a Republican case of massive voter fraud election fraud, whatever you want to call it, uh, resulting in the State Board of Elections having to decertify the election, say it does it totally invalid and calling for uh, a new election. Uh, So we got one case, if you will, of election fraud in this country, established, proven, certified Republican voter fraud in North Carolina. Uh, and Dan McCready, the Democrat, has already announced that uh, he's going to run for re-election. And again, as I said, we don't know who his opponent is going to be. Republicans may have to have, an, if Mark Harris drops out, the Republicans are going to have to have another primary well, that, probably to pick their candidate. That was that was sort of my question about all of this, is they, they weren't clear about how far back they're going to go because well, yeah. this whole scandal began in the, in the Republican primary. Right. So Mark Harris might not even be there as a legitimate candidate right? At, representing the Republican Party. So are they going to have to do that again? Are they going to Un- get a different candidate? Unknown. They and didn't again. say. And particularly since he hasn't said he's going to run, we'll, we'll even right. run, right? Right. I, so, lo- I thought it was fascinating, by the way, that after all these days of testimony and after this damning uh, testimony uh, came out, that it wasn't until – you know, Thursday afternoon that he says, oh, okay, now I'll call for a special election. Well, thanks a lot, man. Right. You know, everybody else has seen what's going on. So now finally he gets on board with it. 
But he didn't, again, let you point out, he didn't say if he was going to be the candidate or what was going to happen next. Right. And, you know, again, uh, last week we played a couple of clips of people who were working in that who, who said exactly they were paid to go out, knock on doors. Do you have, have to have an absentee ballot? I'll take care of that for you. And they were getting paid. And they were getting paid per piece of paper that they brought back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, it's good. To, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. It's good to see. A, <coughs> pardon me. But it's good to see um, that the process worked, at least, in in uh, in North Carolina. Um, and you know that Republicans, Republicans are going to put a lot of money in there to try to hold on to that seat. It is, by the way, a Republican plus eight seat, um, which means that that's that, that's Republican Republican territory. But after this, maybe people might be ready for uh, a change down there as as well. Um, Virginia. Well, <laughs> things still aren't resolved in Virginia, although, you know, it's getting to the point where my belief is it's over. Ralph Northam, Justin Fairfax. And the attorney general are all going to survive. Yeah, right? 100%. This is done. We're yeah. done with this. It's amazing. That you could have uh, the blackface in the yearbook with Mar- Ralph Northam, the two ca- two accusations of sexual abuse against uh, Justin Fairfax, and... Um, Mark Herring is the Mark guy. Herring, I can't remember his name. Mark yeah. Herring um, appearing in blackface in a skit uh, as part of a rock group, and yet all three of them survive. Um, so, um, I, by the way, I did run into, uh, I mentioned uh, in the last hour, uh, former governor, uh, Terry McAuliffe on Friday, uh, and I asked him directly what he was going to do about 2020. Uh, and I said, in fact, I ran into him in l- at lunch at the Palm <laughs> a restaurant here in Washington. And I said, what are you doing here, Terry? You should be out on the campaign trail if you're serious. Uh, and he said, you know, I got time. I'll just let those guys go out there and tear each other up for a while. And, um, I think I've got all the time in the world and yes, I'm seriously looking at it. So that's see what happens on that. Yeah. Uh, as mentioned, uh, I can't get through this hour with the help of, without the help of a good friend, um, whom, uh, Uber has finally delivered here. <laughs> Uh, our good friend, political reporter for The Fix at the Washington Post, the one and only Eugene Scott. It's good to see you, sir. Glad to be here. How have you been? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm doing well. You are a little late because you were watching the Oscars last night? Is that- <laughs> I was watching the Oscars, but poor timing and rush hour traffic and all of those mistakes. Well, we're just glad to see you. So, I'm yeah. glad to be here. Were right. you watching last night? I watched a little bit yeah. in and out. Yeah. What would yeah. you think? Were you happy? Were you? You know, it was. I was happy at moments. Um, very happy about the win of Regina King, who has been an excellent talent for years. Um, Ruth Carter as well. I remember uh, the work she did on a great film called School Days, and Spike Lee movie, and the Hmm. 1980s that was very influential uh, to me. I think one thing that was really fascinating is I don't think we need a host. Um, It's funny how everyone everyone seems to agree on that. It proved it last night, huh? I I don't think anything was missing or went without. um, And so that was a um, pretty interesting revelation. And, you know, to think that next year was probably your best shot to be an Oscar host, Bill, 
and now they don't need one. No, they don't. But Damn it. but Bill, so, may, maybe if Bill just, hosts, he can show how much better <laughs> having a host right. will make it. No, I I just be part of. I'd be happy to just be part of the mix. But sure. uh, the Green Book, it did win deservedly. I think there are real problems with the Green Book. I think the fact that uh, the family of Don Shirley, I believe, found the story to be deeply problematic is worth getting attention, paying attention to. Um, I didn't understand their criticism or their complaint. Yeah. Do you? Do you? Uh, much of it was about how they felt the story was centered on the driver, which kind of makes sense considering who made the film. I believe it was the son of the driver uh, was really involved in getting the story told. Mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. there were just some inaccuracies that they believed uh, could have been avoided had there been more communication with the family. Um, and uh, I do think it portrayed Don Shirley as an incredible person and certainly yeah. an incredible talent. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, I, I can't sure. speak for the family, but right. I, I came away with this great admiration and inspiration for yeah. Don Shirley. I didn't even know about him until the movie, so I yeah. thought it was more than fair to him, but the Atlantic has a piece in um, today um, about a documentary about the Green Book um, that mm. uh, they feel does a much better job of explaining the significance of it. And I was actually thinking about this quite a bit. My parents and my grandparents are from the South, and I don't think many people realize that uh, as, as black families traveled around the South during the Civil Rights Movement, it's not like you could go to any restaurant no, or any hotel. No, no, um, no. You needed yeah. the Green Book to tell you right. where you yeah. could go. And, yeah. um, but so I think telling that story was yeah. very important. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, and John I, Lewis, you know, was there to introduce the movie, so he certainly saw it as an important... There's always movie. a political tie. Yeah, right? yeah. Right. And every time, you know, I see John Lewis, bias aside, I'm blown away that we are still looking at someone who endured great uh, right. physical discrimination and yeah. pain during the days of Martin Luther King still oh, no, he's involved. My, yeah. my hero, my yeah. hero, John Lewis. Uh, Rami Malek? That was Bohemian awesome. Rhapsody. Yeah, no, I mean, I think his speech was great. I mean, talking about the importance of recognizing a film about a man who was an immigrant, who was a member of the LGBT community. Um, uh, this the Oscars, as we know, uh, historically just hasn't had the best track record of uh, recognizing diversity and not just ethnic diversity, but uh, sexual orientation, uh, immigrant status. We saw a lot of praise last night with Roma, mm -hmm. um, other films. Uh, and so it was really good to see uh, Hollywood acknowledge uh, humanity more broadly than it historically has. Yeah, there were there were really some highlights, I thought, with the Green Book, Robbie Malik winning. Um, Spike Lee. I was yeah. so excited to see Spike Lee finally yeah. get an Oscar. I mean, it's, God. it's really a shame. I mean, I got some texts from my uh, fraternity brothers who said, had you asked me before last week how many Oscars Spike Lee had, I would have probably guessed four. Uh, he's done so much really great work. Um, but The Black Klansman may be his best movie ever. It was awesome. It was awesome. And I think it's a bit of a redemption because we know that the lead in The Black Klansman is the son of Denzel Washington. Uh, who uh, ended oh. up um, uh, being robbed of his Oscar uh, in, with Malcolm X. And I say robbed because his, the job that Denzel Washington did in X was just so phenomenal. Yeah. To see it not recognized when it should have been. Oh, was I, I have to say, of all yeah. the Best Picture nominees, uh, Black Klansman was my favorite. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't my, necessarily my favorite movie of the year, but it was it was the best one of the uh, of the ones that were nominated. And I thought it was criminal that... Yeah. 
Spike Lee. I mean, he won. They won for best adapted screenplay, and right. that's great. He got an Oscar, and that's cool. I would have loved to seen Black Landsman win best picture or him win best director, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen. Either. It was great seeing Samuel Jackson though present yeah. the award. Oh yeah. my yeah, god, that was pretty yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that, pretty great. that's what you want, right? Your friends and your your family, people who've been there with you from day one. Uh, Samuel Jackson. I don't know how many Spike Lee films he's been in, but quite a few, and so that was fun. And Spike Lee's comments. He's got uh, there's a little a little political, right? Yeah, it was not a total it's political Spike evening, Lee. but it's Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah. Here, here he is. Make the moral choice between love versus hate. Let's do the right thing. You know I had to get that in there. <laughs> right, and, and it's crazy. Do the right thing. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's it's obvious to a lot of people, but that I mean, that was the movie that really made a name for Spike Lee in, I think, 89, but maybe it was before that. Don't correct me on that. Quote me on that. Which was another great movie, I thought. Yeah, yeah. it really, really was. But you saw, of course, that the president was not excited about uh, Spike Lee's speech and tweeted uh, a jab at him. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, we we didn't talk about that yet. No, uh, I, what, I, what Trump said yeah. about Spike Lee, essentially calling him illiterate. Uh, which again, this is another uh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. African American that Donald Trump says is not smart or stupid or can't read. Uh, I'm just pulling up Trump's Twitter feed so I could get to it, but he's yeah, he sort of been on a tear this morning, and he was upset. You know, he of course, whenever uh, the president is accused of racism, he always goes back to the economy, and so he goes back to how. Uh, unemployment numbers are low for black Americans um, and uh, the economy is doing really well. But uh, many people's issues with the president related to race go beyond economics. And if you really want to have a real conversation about the economy and black people, it's not doing as good as the president actually says it is. And there certainly right. remains a gap still between how white Americans are experiencing this country and how black Americans Here's are Here's the tweet from Trump, by the way, uh-huh. about Spike Lee uh, that he sent out at uh, a.m. this morning. Be nice if Spike Lee could read his notes or better yet not have to use notes at all when doing his racist hit on your president who has done more for African Americans, parentheses, criminal justice reform, lowest unemployment numbers in history, tax cuts, etc., than almost any other prez. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. It's just not true. We know that the tax cuts have not broadly benefited not only black Americans, but Americans, period. Like the tax cuts have generally benefited rich white people. Right. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, you could you could spend a whole day fact checking that tweet alone. Uh, um, So um, we were just talking before you came in. I'd love to get your comment on the situation down in uh, North Carolina. North Carolina's Mm -hmm. ninth. Look, we're going to have a new congressional race down there. Isn't it interesting? After all the talk about massive voter fraud in the country, mm-hmm. uh, no evidence of which was ever found by Donald Trump and his phony commission, mm-hmm. right, that suddenly an, an example of real election fraud pops up committed by Republican consultants and a candidate who hired him in North Carolina. And the president until Friday, had said nothing at all about it. Nothing at all. Didn't condemn it, didn't acknowledge it, didn't say this is too bad, we can never let this happen again, we got to get to the bottom of it, we have to have a new election. The most that he, the most that he said was Friday, when reporters pressed him and pressed him and pressed him, finally he was willing to say this. I condemn any voter fraud of any kind, whether it's Democrat or Republican. <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. No evidence of any Democratic fraud or whatever. This evidence of Republican fraud. Right? Yeah, but. indeed. Uh, full disclosure, uh, my family's from Robeson County, uh, which is one of the counties in this uh, district. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I had dinner with my family last night, and this was the main topic of conversation. 
for nearly 20 years, my mother worked for the congressman who represented that district, uh, Charlie Rose. Uh, this is years ago before Mike McIntyre. Uh, the point being is that this was a concern in this district for years in terms of pe how people were turning in ballots. Um, and there were questions that have uh, come up that have never really received the amount of attention that they should have um, until this recent uh, situation. And it's been... Uh, very frustrating and heartbreaking for the people in this community who have largely felt um, threatened and um, mm. intimidated by uh, people affiliated with conservative lawmakers when it comes to uh, having their votes counted fairly and equally and having their ideas represented in Congress. Um, and it's just sad. I mean, it's, it's, it's also concerning because it's very likely that Mark Harris is going to win anyway. If he runs. Yeah, uh, he hasn't. He hasn't yet said that he's yeah. definitely going to run. Is there a reason you believe that he would not? I think, um, yeah, because uh, well, you know, his son. I thought his son's testimony—that testimony un was undercut him very much, very deeply. Yeah, yeah, deeply. Where and, his son said, "I told my father, don't hire this guy because what he's yeah. doing is wrong." My favorite line uh, from the son, and I'm butchering a bit. He said. If you feel comfortable explaining what's happening on the news in front of everyone, that's a good test that it's okay. But yeah. if you feel like you have to hide it, that should be a red flag that there's something concerning here. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's a bit a part of the larger conversation, which we know uh, Stacey Abrams is really uh, pounding upon that like voter suppression, voter intimidation, access to the polls for marginalized groups is still very much a problem in 2019. People don't think their votes are being counted because they aren't. And people feel right. threatened and intimidated and they can't trust um, the elected officials to to recognize their right. And, and it's just so unfortunate that we're still talking about this in 2019 or 2020, which I can't wait to talk to you about because there's been quite a bit to happen in 2020. Uh, there has. And we're, we'll get there. Yeah. Now, in the meantime, the last time we talked, I believe, certainly this way, two weeks ago, we were spending a lot of time talking about whether um, in Virginia, Ralph Northam wow. or Justin Fairfax or Mark... Herring. Uh, Herring. Herring. With the H, right? Yeah, Herring. Mark Herring yeah. mm -hmm. would survive. Yeah. And which of the ones, which of them might survive? Yeah. Certainly, uh, if all of them went, that meant the Republican would take right. over, kind of the whole thing. Flash forward, here we are today. Yeah. And what's your read? Uh, which one's going to go, if any? If anybody's going to go, I think it's Fairfax. I still believe that's the case. Um, but I'm not of the belief that anyone's going to go right now. It looks like all three might survive. Yeah, and 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 I and, I credit Donald Trump with that to some degree. I think the president has set the standard for um, not apologizing or resigning or stepping back or removing yourself from a situation when people have uh, called on you to. Um, ultimately, you can remain in your your position no matter how uh, much, uh, you know, how much the support for you has wavered um, because it's it's a voluntary move. And right. um, No, he's never, he's denied any, everything that he's been accused everything. of. He has never apologized for anything he's no. been accused of. And he's refused to even consider either apologizing or stepping down or, or right. whatever, right? 
And I think and other... that's the approach that if it works for him, right. why, why wouldn't other people use that approach? Right. Because I and I think other people realize if you just wait long enough, the news cycle will move forward and people will forget about it. And or... that seems to be is what happened. What has happened yeah. in Virginia. Yeah. Certainly with Mark Herring, the attorney general is probably the, you know, the least controversial of the three. Yeah. But also with Ralph Northam, mm-hmm. the governor, which is where it all started. Right. And with Justin Fairfax, yeah. although Fairfax is in a different league because right. these accusations are criminal criminal activity. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to so he spoke to this. Fairfax was was it yesterday, Peter? Or so Friday? it was Saturday. Saturday that yeah. he gave a surprise speech. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, when he made these comments. Right. This is uh, the um, Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. If we go backwards and we rush to judgment and we allow for uh, political lynchings without uh, any due process, any facts, any evidence being heard, uh, then I think we do a disservice to this very body in which we all serve. Uh, two women have accused him of one of rape and the other of sexual assault. Political lynching? Yeah, I mean, it certainly got a lot of attention. I, and he is using that phrase for two reasons. One, he does believe that there is an attempt to kill and end his political career. So that was the use of the word lynching. Also, it's a loaded term, right, that uh, speaks uh, to yeah. uh, speaks to the racial dynamics of this. I mean, we know that three individuals are involved. Two of the individuals are white. Their uh, uh, accusations or misdeeds are related to racism. Uh, and it is the black candidate or politician, not candidate, that people are asking, uh, putting, the, I think, the most pressure on to leave office. I think that's in part, though, because the what he's accused of, it's very different. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think it's telling uh, to to quite a few people in a state that doesn't have a, a long history of having statewide black lawmakers um, to want to see that one leave. Um, and, and I think he he's what many people would consider play the race card because race is a big part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the Donald Trump approach, mm-hmm. which is deny, deny, deny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't admit any wrong. And and for his friends, like I'm thinking about Roy Moore, mm-hmm. if they deny, then as far as Donald Trump goes, nothing ever happened, right? Yeah. For his friends, right? I mean, if Democrats deny sure. that, he would not admit that. But yeah. So one of his friends got in a little trouble this weekend. Um, Robert Kraft. Yes. Owner of the Patriots. Yes. And Donald Trump was asked about that. Here is uh, his comment on the fate of Mr. Kraft. Well, it's very sad. Uh, I was very surprised to see it. Uh, he's proclaimed his innocence totally, and uh, but I'm very surprised to see it. Okay. He's proclaimed his innocence totally, so... Yeah. Donald Trump says... That he's happen. innocent. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we know... Um, we know that that's how the president operates. If one of his critics in the sports world say, I don't know, mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick had been found in the same situation. <laughs> oh, 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 imagine. Right? The president would tell him to get locked up immediately. Um, I think one of the things that's going to be really interesting about that situation involving Robert Kraft is I saw a tweet from a local news affiliate in Boston who said that Kraft's name is not even the biggest name to be caught up. Uh, in this sting. And so it'll be interesting to see who else comes from it. There are, there's a, I forget his name, there's a Chicago billionaire, yeah. a, a hedge fund manager right. or something that's mm-hmm. part of that. But I I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I disagree. I mean, I think that, that there won't be any bigger name than 
Than Kraft? Than Kraft. The other names that I've seen, let's yeah. say. They may I, be wealthy, but they're not. he's not the only billionaire, maybe. Right. But nobody's got the notoriety of a Robert Kraft uh, so I, far. A tip I was given that I really? will not share okay. uh, right now, I'll share with you. It's a bigger name than Robert Kraft. Really? Yeah, but we'll see. We will see. I think the bigger concern in the issue, United States senator? Uh, uh, athlete. Oh. Um, so what is what's really concerning? I think we gotta Tom Brady. I'm I, no, I didn't say that. But, <laughs> well, I mean, let, you know, he had the whole Deflate Gate thing, so it couldn't have been. Tom Brady. That's right. Oh, well played. But but one of the things that's really uh, concerning, um, uh, of course, about in addition to the illegal illegality of it all, um, is so, the the some of the stories yeah. about the brothel were deeply disturbing, and it reminds you of just when we talk about like human trafficking and sex trafficking yeah. how um right. how much it exists in America and how much um it's t- connected to like immigration issues um and so these young women were like victims and i, I think people they, really got to remember that they were like sex slaves they were they slaves were, like yeah, i mean some absolutely. they weren't getting yeah. any um care or i mean just forced to to do all kinds of things uh i rem- i read one piece that said some of the women we're meeting with like a thousand men a year, like crazy. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right, we got the sex talk out of the way. Um, that's why we always have Eugene Scott in here for the Washington Post. Good job. <laughs> got lots more to talk about. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be joined when we come back for joining us here at the table. Will Summer, tech and internet reporter at the Daily Beast, uh, joining us here with Eugene Scott and all of you here on the Bill Press Show Monday, February 25. This is the Bill Press Show. How about it on a Monday, February 25? Here we are at the Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, uh, where we assembled here around the uh, coffee table this morning uh, to talk about the news of the day with all of you. Great to see you, whether you're following us coast to coast on television, on the radio, or online. (laughs) Pardon me, it's good to have you with us with lots to talk about. Uh, Eugene Scott here from the uh, Washington Post, political reporter for The Fix. Uh, tweeting all day long. You got to follow him at WashingtonPost.com. But what's your Twitter handle? At Eugene underscore Scott. At Eugene underscore Scott. That's yep. easy enough. And we're yeah. joined from the Daily Beast, Will Summer, tech and internet reporter, covers just about everything going at the uh, in the political front. Hello, Will. It's good to see you. Too. Absolutely happy to be here. Yeah. Um, and uh, you've been writing particularly about, uh, among other things, this. This uh, report last week about a now an officer of the Coast Guard being caught with this cache of weapons and a list of people that he targeted. Your name and my name was unfortunately not on yeah, the list, close, right? Close. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Ari Melber at MSNBC, Chris Hayes, uh, Joe Scarborough. You look at some of the stuff that he was, his search history too, his internet search history, where to find <laughs> Congress people in D.C., and uh, things like that. And, you know, it was a weapons charge they, they got him on originally, but that's just the tip of the iceberg because he'd been stockpiling weapons. Uh, and he was looking to do some real damage. Uh, a bad dude. Yeah, it's a very disturbing story. So it's uh, Christopher Hassan, uh, this lieutenant in the Coast Guard who was working in D.C., and he was ba- allegedly, you know, stockpiling just, you know, dozens of guns. Uh, you know, he was really obsessed with Anders Breivik, the, uh, the fellow who murdered dozens of people in Norway. Uh, a couple years back, oh. and he sort of had studied his manifesto specifically on how to sort of go on essentially like a right-wing murder spree. 
so much so that you know Anders Breivik said you know you need to start cycling steroids so you'll be really like pumped up when you go on your murder spree and this guy was you know allegedly like he was loading up on steroids and stuff like that and so I mean he, he appears to have been following this manifesto in terms of like targeting journalists and politicians right um, how they get him uh, it, it's interesting. It's not quite clear yet. It's, it, it is clear from the indictment that uh, the FBI was like really in his computer because they could, you know, as you mentioned, his search history, looking up stuff like civil war, if Trump is impeached, stuff like that. But I mean, they were describing it down to like, you know, he went here and then he moved over to his hit list. To type. It, was, it was almost like they were like looking at his screen while he was working. Mm. So it seems like he was definitely on their radar. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I mean, this was someone who was re- really trying to track down people to kill. Right. Um Donald Trump was asked about this at the White House on Friday mm-hmm. uh, as to whether uh, this man who's a clear Trumper might have been influenced by the, the president's diatribes or, uh, or um, sometimes very ugly language, strong language certainly, against his critics. Uh, president Trump, here he is. Do you think you bear any responsibility for moderating your language when it comes to that? No, I don't. I think my language is very nice. Very nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, very fine. Very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Per- perhaps influenced by the Be Best campaign. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So it's fascinating. I wonder if uh, the president actually reads his tweets. By the way, I we, I pointed this out last week. You know, it's not lost on a lot of people that this story was unfolding and got maybe a tenth of the media coverage that the Jesse Smollett case got. Uh, where you had mm-hmm. a lot of Trumpers running around saying, oh, see, he made it up. This could never happen while it was actually happening right under our nose. And I, look, I think the Jesse Smollett story is uh, disturbing in a lot of ways and deserves some coverage. But this particular story is far more concerning, far more concerning. It should have gotten a lot more media attention. Uh, absolutely. And the potential of what this guy could have done if he had actually acted out, right, I mean, I saw his defense attorney, Chris, will say whatever, right? It's something like, it's not unusual for a military officer who has trained in the use of guns to have more than one gun. This guy had a whole arsenal, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he had all these kinds of weapons. I believe he had smoke grenades. I mean, it, it was it was obviously stuff more than you were going to do, say, at the range or going hunting. Uh, and, and I think it's really kind of the just the start of, of what we're seeing from these right-wing extremists. Uh, oftentimes motivated by Trump's rhetoric. I mean, just in the past couple months, you know, along with this uh, Coast Guard lieutenant, uh, you know, obviously the shooting at the synagogue in Pittsburgh, you know, that was a guy who was really activated by all these conspiracy theories about the caravan. Uh, You know, some young men in New York State who were planning to bomb a Muslim community, allegedly. Uh, So, you know, just over the past couple months, we're seeing a lot of examples of this kind of, uh, you know, these kind of plots. And specifically, I mean, people don't like... uh, when this uh, connection is made, if they are supporters of the president, but you cannot keep calling members of the press the enemies of the people and expect people not to treat them the way they treat their enemies. And there are people who are extreme in their types of uh, response to their enemies, and we've seen that repeatedly. We've seen people suggest that this is what uh, needs to happen to someone who criticizes Trump and his supporters. And we know that these hosts on MSNBC in particular have been perhaps among the most harsh towards Trump. Yeah. No, it's very illustrative when his list of targets, if you will, included members, not just public officials or elected officials, but members of the media. Right. Right. Directly tied. To yeah. And some of whom were the same people who got bombs mm-hmm. from the, the, the MAGA bomber, the fellow who was allegedly sending pipe bombs. 
So, you know, I mean, this isn't even the first example of someone targeting these cable news hosts. Right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, the Jesse Smollett uh, story. I mean, this is really a sad yeah. case. I mean, this guy's career is done. Right. We it know that it's um, that it Empire Empire's yeah. written him out. I think of the last yeah. two episodes, yeah. um, and and Fox as a whole, I think is still trying to figure out what they're going to do moving forward, wanting to see everything you know pan out. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's I think one of the things that's really frustrating is just how much of the story um, we like still don't know. Not that we're like entitled to know everything right now, but I I was reading a piece this morning. Um, saying that uh, Chicago police may have overstated some of their uh, conclusions about Smollett. So, I mean, there's still just a lot of questions that just aren't answered. And, and I think people are confused and frustrated and disappointed um, and upset about the fact that the real story that people really should be focusing on is that in the last few years, uh, hate r- reported hate crimes have increased. Um, and groups like black Americans and LGBT people have been disproportionately targeted. And, and there's a reason for that. And, right. and that needs to be uh, centered in how we respond to this. But something like this certainly sets back the cause. I, 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 you know? I think if and you were not likely to uh, be sympathetic to that, this definitely does not help improve that. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And um, and whether he did it because whatever. Right. right. His career, he didn't think he was, they said he wasn't getting enough money. That's what they said. weird because he was getting a lot of money. He was getting a lot of money, like five figures per episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, it, it's highly unfortunate. I will say this. I mean, there was, you know, uh, people on the left who spoke out against uh, the crime, the alleged crime, like Kamala Harris and Cory Booker have been... Um, you know, criticized and attacked by quite a few people on the right, including, um, I mean, obviously Trump supporters. But the president responded immediately when it was brought to his attention um, in a way that was sympathetic, suggesting that he believed it. And so uh, we're in a time where there's a lot of emphasis on believing victims. And and it's uh, th- what that what that means sometimes, not often, but rarely you will have situations uh, right. where people take advantage of that. Where you were wrong. Yeah. Right. Well, one good uh, one good news, Will, is that uh, we found out that I, I'm really looking forward to this, that we're going to have something new and different and exciting uh, in um, in this in the country this year. We're going to have a big celebration um, <laughs> on the 4th of July of all days. We've never had, you never. know, I mean, whoever, yeah. who would have thought about the 4th of July and uh, maybe let's do something on the Washington Wall. I'm a D.C. native, born and raised here. And never seen fireworks on the mall my whole life. And how about, yeah. let's make it real special. Let's have some fireworks. Yeah. Isn't this amazing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's fascinating. Obviously, the president announced this plan over the weekend. And, you know, I mean, it, obviously, a lot of details r- remain to be found. But, but it's very confusing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's all about, of course, him. Peter, if you can get that tweet up again. Um, where <laughs> yeah, I'm just pulling it up. There's a flurry yeah. of tweets from uh, over right. the weekend. So I'm, I'm, but the I'm one where he said, hold the date. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold the date. Fourth of July, right? Yeah. yeah. Just in case. Maybe you have it off. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Now, no, I haven't been in my entire life in Washington, but here we've been here 20 years now. And, you know, the Fourth of July. Down to the Capitol, yeah. right? The big, the big, it's a huge thing, thing that they got there with all the great entertainment. Oh and yeah, everything. and then the fire. I mean, it's and it's there a are thing. a million people on the mall. Like I mean, it's a thing. I mean, it, I, 
it, it gives the impression, I mean, it's a reminder of how much of a newcomer to this city we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's So here he is, this hold the date tweet. Hold the date, all capital letters. <laughs> we will be having one of the biggest gatherings in the history of Washington, D.C. on July 4th. It will be called A Salute to America and will be held at the Lincoln Memorial. Major fireworks display, entertainment, and an address by, your, fa- an address by your favorite president, me. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing, man. <laughs> me, me. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, we we've seen polling of uh, the most sup- approved uh, presidents, the most favorite presidents uh, in recent history. A, a lot of Americans would not choose Trump um, if you look at that. But he's he's really kind of trying to take the take the whole Fourth of July celebration, which is which we, I mean, everywhere in the country, right? Yeah, is an institution, right, and a tradition. But to own it now, right. self, mm-hmm. and turn it into a celebration of me. Yeah. Well, you, you know, this reminds me. Whatever happened to the military parade we were supposed well, to? Well, this get? is in place of the military. Oh, I, parade. I, I see. Okay, so yeah. that's replacing because it. the Pentagon basically said no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll and, see if it actually happens, though. I'll be city surprised. Of, the if, city of Washington yeah. also kind of said no, yeah. meaning mm-hmm. you're going to have to repave Pennsylvania Avenue from right. one end to the other from if you tanks? roll those tanks Come down. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. No. I think he's going to Mar-a-Lago for the fourth anyway, but we'll see. <laughs> and he won't be here for his, for let, his let's, own. Let's revisit this uh, the Tuesday after the fourth. You, boys, you may be right. All right. We've gotten all through the, this far through the show with just about 10 minutes left, and we haven't talked about... 2020. Um, I've been waiting to talk to you about Bernie Sanders since the day it was announced. <laughs> okay. What do you want to say? I want to know what you're thinking. Um, I'm glad Bernie's running. Yeah. I think, yeah. No, I think Bernie, Bernie, uh, you know, he, he, he has succeeded in starting the revolution, and mm-hmm. I think now he's got his, this is his shot to finish it. Right. Was it six million in a day? He got four million. Four I million. Yeah, right. In twenty-four hours. I'm not saying Bernie's going to be the nominee. Sure. But I think Bernie's got every right, and of course everybody's got a right to run. But I mean, I think he's got a particular uh, advantage in running in that he ran before. He's got a big organization. He's kept that organization alive through you know our revolution. So he's got his mailing base. He's got his donor base. Um, he owns the message, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Other people now are sharing the message. Right. But he starts out with all that, and he proved it by raising $4 million in the first 12 hours. Yeah. I mean, I um, I, I think I, too, was surprised by the the amount of zeal for Bernie um, based still, off of Bernie. Bernie. Still. Absolutely. Well, because we have so many different people uh, running, and I mean, you know— Capitol Hill can be very similar to Hollywood in the sense that, like, people love the new face and the new person. And, um, you know, two years ago was— Two years ago. And so uh, to see that people were still very excited about him was very surprising to me. Well, right. here, here's the thing that I think is so interesting. And, Will, you could probably speak to this. is When you talk about retail politics and people go out there and how are they doing it, like it really is Internet politics these days, right? And whether or not you have people accusing, you know, Russian Twitter bots uh, supporting Bernie or Trump, right? Like that, that's something you see a lot out there. Like you really have to sort of master that that online game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly, you know, you don't want to confuse the internet, you know, with with, with the entirety of the electorate. Right. But Bernie has very devoted supporters online. And right. That, that's going to help him, especially in such a crowded field. You're trying to stand out. You know, there's going to be a lot of people who are, you know, relatively similar in their politics. And then you have Bernie on the left here who, who, who's who got some devoted fans. Right. And the others may be able to build that 
base, right? But sure, yeah, well, you it, got it. it. My, uh, my my sleeper pick is uh, Pete Budet Budajaj. Budajaj, Budajaj. I don't even try. Don't worry, you're not the only one. I'm like Pete from South Bend. Maybe he needs to do like a Pete B thing or Mayor Pete or something like that. But you know, I'm not saying Cardi B, just Pete B. I think he'll get a little more attention as things go on. It seems like he's been getting some good, you know, at his appearances, a lot of turnout. So right. Uh, he's been here in studio with us, and oh, he says go. it's Buddha Judge. I mean, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So we have Judge. the definitive. But don't worry, we had to ask him for pronunciation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you could look at that spelling Buttigieg. and never get to. Buttigieg. Oh, never. Uh, yeah, absolutely. never. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's like an I and an E in there somewhere. I don't know which one's first, but B U T T I G I E G. Yeah. I think one of the things that just surprises me I most about Pete. I may be the only Pete, person in the media who could spell his name. Probably. I don't know why I can. But. Is, that we ne not, is that millennials are now old enough to be president. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we spent so much time uh, trying to get millennials to actually vote in 2016 and 2018. But now, I mean, he, I think, is definitely going to be shaping the conversation in many ways. All right. So there are, I think, nine announced candidates so far. Okay. Right. And uh, Jay Inslee, um, Peter, he, he, he's uh, Governor of Washington. Mm -hmm. Of course, he's in town. Uh, he was on Face, I think, this week, maybe yesterday, mm -hmm. one of the shows. Face the Nation. Here he is. You are expected to potentially make a bid to be the next commander-in-chief. When are you actually going to make a decision on uh, whether you're running? At the right moment, but it will be soon. <laughs> Which is when? we're happy to talk to you. Just at the right moment, it will be soon. I think you said weeks, not months. Uh, we're coming up to another week. Stay we tuned. We are, <laughs> So he says he's close. John Hickenlooper, governor of uh, Colorado, was in Iowa over the weekend. Mm -hmm. I mentioned when you were coming in, I, I ran into former Governor Terry McAuliffe from mm -hmm. Virginia, uh, who was Friday on Face the Nation like the week before. He was a Face the week before. He was on Morning Joe this mm -hmm. morning. He made it pretty clear to me. It's just a matter of time before he jumps in. So this field of nine is going to expand to 15 to 20. Mm -hmm. Too many candidates? No, I personally, I'm excited. Yeah. I, I, I'm i glad we're going to, you know, I, I think the Democrats after 2016, I think are really e eager for like a real knockdown uh, primary that's that's going to find a candidate that ideally people are excited about rather than just anointing one before the primary even begins. What do you think? I don't do I don't think? think there's too many. I don't know that I think there's such a thing as too many. I think um, people are really interested in new ideas and conversations about policy um, and reversing the country from the direction they see it currently going that they find troublesome. And like if there's someone who has ideas and beliefs they can uh you know change things and meet the concerns of the population they should be able to get out there what do we think about amy klobuchar the all the negative press over the weekend about um she's a she's, hard yeah. person to work for yeah more than that she's like a nightmare boss you know <laughs> i mean this saying. is and, and now of course this even before you know the huffington post broke this story uh, even before that th that was a story that was floating around washington mm -hmm. everyone knew it i mm -hmm. mean you know i think a lot of outlets were trying to break that story so then when that comes out and people are saying, oh, no, you're just picking on her. I mean, that was a well-known story, as we've seen from, you know, the follow-up reporting on it. I mean, the eating the salad with a comb and then having her aide clean it, all this stuff. I mean, I think there's a lot more to come out on that. Yeah. And one of the reasons why this is such a big deal, it's part of Klobuchar's brand. It's Minnesota nice, right? And she is running as, you know, a moderate Democrat who is not... Uh, bound to the identity politics of the progressive base, but just real, um, you know, even temperament can work with everybody. Well, these stories suggest she has a trouble working with even some of the people closest to her. And so th they're, they're going to be a challenge for her to overcome. But the question is raised, which I think was some legitimacy. Would people write the same article about a man 
Uh, yes, and they, they have. Should. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yes, the, many those stories. That story's been written many, many times. About Donald Trump. No, about members of Congress that treat their staff terribly. At the point where you have you're throwing stuff at your say, staffers. I, I mean, say, that's, that's not, I mean, that's, that's, not that's not like a rude email. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, if there's anyone working so, on the hill right now for a lawmaker who is a man who does these type of things, my Twitter handle is at Eugene <laughs> underscore Scott, oh, oh. and and we will write that story. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you do, you you both think it will. I think it's it bad news. Be. I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. just don't know, especially in the general election, how you can expect voters to vote. Everyone's had well, a terrible boss, and now you're going to ask someone to yeah. vote for that? Yeah. I don't buy it. Right. Yeah. That being said, Donald Trump had a reputation for being a really hard-ass boss, and he got elected president. But yeah. one of the things that's funny and, about and, and he's, and he's proven people. it in the White House beyond yeah. measure, right. and he's running for re-election, right. and all the Republicans will support him. I was going to say, it's just, I mean, the thing about that is I'm, I'm regularly reminded of how— uh, the left and the right have different standards for their leaders and on some topics, whereas, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to say the least, right? right? Whereas something like that would be viewed as beneficial for Trump with many people in his base. He's tough. He's, he's no nonsense. He has um, high standards for his staff. Uh, it, it would be spun to the ninth degree. Um, but uh, the, the left which has vocally and re repeatedly um, spoken about the importance of treating human beings with dignity, all human beings, would find these allegations deeply troublesome. Of course, the most exciting news is that Larry Hogan <laughs> may be traveling up to New Hampshire yeah. uh, to test the waters <laughs> in New Hampshire. Yeah. Can't wait to, for Donald Trump's first tweets about Larry Hogan. Yeah, mm. we'll see. That'll all be right. a disaster if you all right. <laughs> all this Republican on Republican Eugene crime. Scott, Twitter handle again is Eugene underscore Scott. Yes, sir. At Eugene underscore Scott. And yep. Will, how do people follow you? Sure. Uh, Twitter, Will Summer, Will uh, S-O-M-M-E-R uh, on Twitter. Check it out. At Will Summer, check it out. And have a great Monday, folks. This Come back and see us tomorrow. Bill Press show.